Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Feast of St. Clair of Assisi on this August 11, 2023. Of course, Santa Chiara was a devoted follower of St. Francis. St. Francis helping her found the religious order that eventually was called the Poor Clares. She was completely devoted to our Lord and the contemplation of him, insisting her order follow extreme poverty, seclusion from the world, and almost complete silence. They constantly prayed the sisters sleeping on the ground, eating no meat, and performing manual labor barefooted. Now, Claire was the abbess of her monastery, which is what powerful position back then for a woman, enabling her to prevent even the Pope from changing their rule of life in their community to an easier one. Again, she had a very strong devotion to Christ in the Eucharist and is credited with saving Assisi by adoration of the Eucharist back uh, many centuries ago. And in 1958, Pope Pius XII made her the patron saint of, do you know this? Ooh, 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 Mr. Cotter, I know, television, telephone and telegraph, because when she was ill, she was able to see and hear mass on the wall of her room. So basically, she had the first mass for shut-ins for those who cannot go to mass or leave their home to receive Jesus in the Eucharist and, and watch at home on TV including, of course, EWTN. Now, it seems fitting that her spiritual daughter, our very own Mother Angelica, who was a poor Claire, of course, and founded EWTN, which just happens to be, thanks be to God, the largest radio and TV religious network in the world. Her relics, St. Claire's relics, reside at the Basilica of St. Claire in Assisi in the province of Perugia. Such a beautiful basilica. Assisi is just crazy gorgeous. Anyway... So St. Clair of Assisi, pray for us. Hope your Friday is going well. Thank you for tuning in to Catholic Connection and EWTN. Coming up in the program, it's a Friday, so that means we check in with Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer of EWTN for the Inside Word. Our people don't ever get a break. They work like dogs. They just constantly work to bring us amazing stuff. Just coming off of World Youth Day, moving into, of course, more great programming of other events around the country and the world, and Doug will fill us in. Bottom of the hour, fact check Friday. So, interesting story. CNN took a study or a survey on those who have transitioned and totally distorted it. Shocker. Because there was some information that did not apply to what they were saying. And also, is it a coincidence that this comes out just about a week, maybe a week and a half after a very powerful hearing on Capitol Hill, we had people such as Chloe Cole, someone who is detransitioning, talking about what happened to her and how she is now a lifelong patient because of the damage that was done to her body, and not only her body, but her psyche. Very uh, powerful testimony she and others gave on Capitol Hill not too long ago, and then this quote-unquote survey comes out. Again, coincidence? I think not. But they are being called out, this particular network, for not being honest about it. And we'll talk about that in Fact Check Friday. And also revisit a clip of Chloe Cole from that powerful hearing in late July. I think it was July 27th when it actually happened. And the media barely covered that outside of conservative circles who are raising issues about this. Barely covered it. 
Again, a coincidence? I think not. And then wrapping up on a Friday morning with something that is pretty shocking, but this is when we know the media are not being used wisely or well. Linda Nealon is a vice president and director of corporate advocacy for the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Have you heard about this huge problem? Image-based sexual abuse? How some pretty nasty players are taking pictures of anyone, especially children, and turning them into pornographic material. Is there a way that we can prevent this? How do we put an end to it? How do we try? Well, she will fill us in and wrap us up on a Friday morning. Many prayers going out to the people living on the island of Maui in Hawaii. The death toll continues to climb, and we'll have the latest in terms of what's happening there and the rescue efforts and also the support that is trying to um, be raised for the people there in that area, very badly affected by wildfires. The scenes have been absolutely Horrific. Let's take a look at the forecast before we take a look at the news on a Friday morning. The prolonged dangerous heat wave continuing across the south and southeast. The heat expanding into the west and northwest later this weekend and continuing into most of next week. Meanwhile, a few strong systems will track across the plains, Great Lakes, and northeast where the threat of severe thunderstorms and heavy rainfall will exist today and unfortunately for those folks in that part of the country into the weekend as well. Right now, it's five minutes past the hour. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Let's get started with the news, starting in Hawaii, with the latest there from the wildfires. Death toll from the wildfire in Maui, now up to 55. Officials there expect the number to keep rising as rescue efforts continue in the resort town of Lahaina, which was nearly destroyed by this week's brush fire. Officials say search and rescue teams are using dogs as they comb through the ruins. Meanwhile, this surf instructor, Lisa Panis, refused to leave the fires in Maui. Instead, she decided to work on rescuing others from their homes. Me and a few of my friends stayed back. We tried to save as much people as we could, pulled a few people out of the water, uh, ran into a burning building with just slippers, surf shorts, and a bathing suit top. Governor Josh Green saying yesterday the fires are likely to be the largest natural disaster in the history of the state. Progress is being made, but none of the fires is 100% contained, and many travelers are still stranded in Maui's airport processing the devastation they managed to escape so far. It's just scary to see a big wildfire just kind of coming your way, and it's not something I ever experienced before. We jumped out of the car and ran as fast as we could and got out. One traveler describes the airport situation as he and his family are trying to get home. Green noting it will take many years to rebuild, which will likely cost billions of dollars, especially in the town of Lahaina. Again, the exact number of those killed and missing is not known for days because it keeps changing. Joe Biden providing the state's disaster declaration, opening federal funding towards state and local recovery efforts. The governor adding thousands of people will need housing, and the state is hoping to get 2,000 rooms to assist those in need. The Salvation Army is asking for donations, meanwhile, and volunteers in Hawaii as they deliver meals to those impacted by the fires, including up to 2,000 people at shelters. We've done meals up to about 2,000 on a regular basis through all the shelters together. First thing is safety and sustenance. The reality is these type of disasters will take a while to actually process. That's Major Troy Trimmer with the Salvation Army in Hawaii asking for large volume meals from restaurants and certified kitchens. But unfortunately, he says they cannot accept small private home prepared meals because of safety standards. Instead, he says people can donate money that will be used to fund the meals 
with the Salvation Army saying 100% of all donations designated as a disaster relief will be used to support disaster operations. A list of volunteer opportunities and ways to donate can be found online at hawaii.salvationarmy.org. A major pediatricians group is urging the influential American Academy of Pediatricians, according to Catholic News Agency, agency to re-evaluate its support for extreme transgender treatments performed on children, with the group claiming there's a lack of significant evidence to justify the procedures. The American Academy of Pediatricians saying in a statement last week it was reaffirming its 2018 policy statement in support of transgender interventions for children, including irreversible surgery and synthetic hormone usage. The AAP has said it also authorized the development of an expanded set of guidance for pediatricians. In a press release on Thursday, meanwhile, the American College of Pediatricians saying it was disappointed that the AAP has now reaffirmed its support. Yet the group also said it was encouraged that the AAP is now open to at least re-evaluating its position. The U.S. bishops back in June, as Catholic News Agency reminds us, voting to issue a significant revision to Catholic medical guidelines concerning transgender patients, with the church leaders issuing strict prohibitions against any form of transgender surgeries being undertaken in Catholic medical facilities. In other news this morning, federal investigators say pilot error was what sent a United Airlines flight to within 748 feet of the Pacific Ocean late last year. The National Transportation Safety Board's final report released yesterday pinning the cause of United Flight 1722's dive on what it called the flight crew's failure to manage the airplane's vertical flight path after an apparent miscommunication between the two pilots over the position of the plane's wing flaps. The 777 suddenly went into an extreme, unexplained dive, more than 7,000 feet per minute. Flight Radar 24 shows the plane coming within 800 feet of slamming into the ocean before pulling out of the dive in an extreme climb, then continuing on. That was reporter Tom Costello. The Boeing 777 with 271 passengers then continued on to San Francisco without incident. Trey Thomas tells us U.S. is striking a deal with Iran to release five Americans imprisoned in that country. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says a delegation from Switzerland helped in the negotiations. The Swiss representative did have an opportunity to meet with all of them once they got out of the prison, uh, see them physically, talk to them, and that's how we know that uh, they're out and uh, that they're generally okay. The American detainees will eventually be allowed to leave Iran in exchange for several jailed Iranians and access to about $6 billion in Iranian assets blocked under U.S. sanctions. Ron DeSantis hinting he'd be willing to use drone strikes against Mexican drug cartels during a campaign stop in Iowa yesterday. The Florida governor and GOP presidential candidate saying if elected, he would use whatever force we need to to take down Mexican drug cartels with or without help from Mexico's government. And former VP Mike Pence says he'll restore civility to the White House if he's elected president. Pence speaking to hundreds of people at the Des Moines Register political soapbox at the Ohio State Fair, Iowa State Fair yesterday. I believe we need leadership, leadership that will stay grounded on the timeless conservative principles that have always made this country great and have led our movement to victories over the last 50 years. The former VP and Indiana governor saying in Iowa and Indiana, we know how to talk to people who don't agree with us. 
Brian Shook tells us the Supreme Court blocking opioid maker Purdue Pharma from moving forward with a $6 billion bankruptcy deal. Thursday's decision comes after the Biden administration raised objections about the settlement that would have shielded the Sackler family from future lawsuits related to the opioid epidemic. A spokesperson for Purdue Pharma said the company is confident in the legality of its plan of reorganization and optimistic that the Supreme Court will agree. The high court is set to hear oral arguments in December and likely issue a ruling early next year. Almost 13 minutes past the hour on a busy Friday morning edition of Catholic Connection. St. Clair of Assisi, pray for us, her feast day today on August 11th. Italy says it's reclaimed over 260 ancient artifacts that were smuggled into the U.S. during the 90s. Italian authorities say the antiquities are worth tens of millions of euros, with the oldest artifact dating all the way back to the 9th century B.C., Pictures of the artifacts show painted pots and artwork belonging to the Etruscan civilization, Imperial Rome, and other ancient periods. Italian police adding the return of the artifacts is due to a cooperation with U.S. judicial authorities. Many of the items are at a museum apparently in Houston, which decided to return them after discovering they were illegally exported. So there you go. Very interesting story. It is a Friday morning. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Coming up, as we always do on Fridays, we check in with our Chief Operating Officer and Vice President of the Network, Doug Keck, with our Inside Word, taking a look at great coverage of all things Catholic and beyond and what's coming up next on the schedule. What to look for so you can make a little note. Don't forget, we have our family celebration that's right around the corner. That's happening on August 26th. If you've never been to an EWTN family celebration, they're absolutely wonderful. Not only do you get to be with like-minded Catholics, you get to meet the personalities. Many of them show up and give talks. It's just fabulous. You'll have mass. You'll have a chance to have a bookstore right there on the premises. This is all taking place, by the way, in Birmingham, Alabama. So you can shop there. You can get your books signed. And then since you're right in Birmingham, why not go to the network in Irondale, which is very close, obviously, because it's in the same area, or go to Hansville to visit the shrine and the tomb of our foundress, Mother Angelica. It's a great, great weekend coming up August 26th. All the details available on EWTN.com. We'll talk about that as well with Doug Keck coming up on a Friday. And then we're also going to have our Fact Check Friday segment, the media not being completely honest about a survey that was done on those who have gone through the so-called transitioning process, a whole transgender ideology, and then wrapping up with a very important story on just how out of control this thing has become with misuse of the media and technology. We're going to be checking in with the friends, our friends from the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Have you heard about this? Image-based sexual abuse. It's horrific. And what can we do about it? We'll find out and we'll end our show on that note, but with some hope in terms of there are ways to make a difference and protect ourselves. And Lina will fill us in from the National Center on Sexual Exploitation on a Friday. We will be right back on EWTN Radio. Stay tuned. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. The devil will always do his best to tempt you into sin until you get to that place where you love sin. That's what he wants. He wants you down there with him. And not because he loves you, he hates you. When you do what the enemy tempts you to do, he does it out of pure hatred. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. 
This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January, along with Father Michael Schmitz, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmitz comments, you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the travel link. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Always trying to catch up with Doug Keck, our president and chief operating officer of EWTN. We get the inside word. It's a segment that we do once a week to talk about what's coming up. And Doug, I think I'd like to, to start out by just looking back before we move forward, because I was telling our listeners, both in the uh, regional hour of Catholic Connection and then also at the top of the hour when introducing the lineup today, that you know, our people, this is just the nature of the business, they do something as massive as, as World Youth Day, which is exhausting, and the coverage was phenomenal. And then they move on to the, to the next event. I don't know how, how many people realize the work that goes into that and then moving on again. Well, I'll tell you, even to give you maybe a little bit of an idea, you know, uh, people working on World Youth Day, uh, Peter Gang on his team, Enrique de Pratt, and, uh, and our multiple affiliates in Europe for the last year. And right before it, we had the Napa Conference where we cover the events there. Uh, I was out there, too, uh, at the Napa doing stuff with Father Spitzer. We did a couple of book interviews uh, that will air and a, and a show that we taped there. And Peter Gangyan was there. And after that, uh, Peter flew with uh, Mike Holmes, our operations guy, field operations guy, directly to Lisbon. I only had to fly with part of the rest of our team to meet at the rest of our team down in Orlando so that we could do the uh, Knights of Columbus events. And then we got back from that, and uh, that was last week. And then Peter and his team uh, just got back, you know, several days ago, earlier this week. And uh, we've got the family celebration in two weeks. We've got the Synod coming up in October. Uh, so there, there, And then next year, uh, a big part of what was discussed even out at Napa and uh, is the ongoing Eucharistic uh, revival uh, happening next July uh, 17th through the 21st, which is already on the table. Uh, and there's also going to be a Eucharistic Congress happening in two years. So as you were mentioning, there's always something out there uh, long-term and short-term that, that the team has to work on. Well, then you also have the March for Life in January and then Absolutely. the Walk for Life in San Francisco and One Life LA that you covered. So it's, it's and a con. the one in Canada. The one in Canada. In Canada, right. Yep, exactly. that's in June. May. Yeah, or no, May, June. you're right. Yeah. May, right, May, right. But it's, it's crazy when you think about it, but those of us in the business kind of take this for granted in terms of, okay, what's the next thing on, on the schedule? But I just want people to get an idea of the dedication because covering any of these events, especially something as large as World Youth Day or, let's say, a Knights of Columbus convention or even Napa, which is a beautiful right. – 
event, obviously, in Napa Valley. Uh, it, it's a constant rotation of the, of the crew and, and a constant study of, okay, what do we need to, to cover next? Right. Absolutely, and and you've got to move uh, seamlessly from one event to to the to the next event. And like you said, it, it's a physical thing. Uh, moving equipment. I know in uh, in World Youth Day, uh, they had to move. You know, break down in one location and move to the Fatima location. Uh, and uh, you know, the guys were working overnight with no sleep to make that happen, so they could uh, complete that coverage. Uh, they don't go with the papal entourage, so to speak, on the on the plane to uh, fly to the next location. So, uh, you know, and it's hot, uh, as people who are watching were aware, uh, and uh, that's what the elements that uh, our team's dealing with. And they do it because uh, they love the church, uh, they love Mother Angelica's mission, and they want to be able to display the best of what the church has to offer. And with Amen. World Youth Day, especially the young people, it's always good like Catholic Radio does and, and EWTN hopefully does, it shows that there's this this groundswell, especially of young people out there who still hold on quite dearly to the faith in the same way that we do. Maybe they express it slightly differently, but deep inside it's the same faith. And uh, it's always great for all of us to be able to sit back and see that and see, yes, it's still there. It's still happening. Don't listen to the secular press and even don't listen to some of the naysayers inside the church at times who, who either say that, well, nobody cares anymore, or that Eucharistic devotion or, or caring about the Mass is not important in people's lives. Yeah, no, it's, it was just so beautiful to see the dedication of the of the not only our crew, but of course the young people mm-hmm. they covered. All right, speaking of, of moving on, what are we looking at in terms of what's coming up on the network the next week or so? Well, today, uh, this morning, later this morning at 10.30 a.m., we have the Father James E. Coyle, Life and Legacy. Now, he was a priest here in Birmingham who who took on the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. He ended up actually getting martyred, shot, uh, because he agreed to do an interracial marriage, uh, and uh, he was killed by the father of the woman. Uh, so his cause is kind of being talked around, and there's also wow. a memorial mass at 11 a.m. as well that uh, Most Reverend Thomas Rodi of, uh, of Archbishop of Mobile will be here to do that. So that, those are both happening this morning. And then we're kind of running into uh, the idea of Marian programming coming up, of course, with uh, the Assumption coming up. We've got Marian programs, uh, Mary of Nazareth, parts one and two of the movie, uh, which will be airing uh, tomorrow night, so people can check that out. And on Monday, we have the Lord's Marian procession, then rolling into Tuesday, uh, August 15th, Meditations on the Assumption of Our Lady at 10 a.m., followed the Solemn Mass of the Assumption from the Shrine in Washington, and also from the Shrine of Our Lady of Lords, of course, uh, on uh, 3 p.m., we have a Holy Mass for there as well. And then from Eve to Mary, the True Dignity of a Woman, uh, a two-part documentary program uh, talking about the uh, destructive trends in media and modern-day society, mm. uh, including where feminism uh, has gone wrong in many places into a, you know, hyper-feminism or radical feminism. Right. And that's coming up uh, on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. And then next week, later next week, dedication of St. Mary's Catholic Center Church. It was taped earlier this year from College Station. Uh, they've got the dedication of St. Mary's Catholic center church happening there so featuring a lot of young people so people can check that out ewtn.com you can check out all these programs you can go to our on-demand page as well obviously and you can watch anything 24 hours a day and then of course make sure you sign up uh, for the eucharistic event through our website and sign up uh, to come to see us uh, on the family celebration we've got about 2500 people signed up 
but, you know, because it's free, people sign up with best intentions and uh, don't always show up. So there's always plenty of room for plenty of people. We've never turned anybody away. Uh, so if you happen to be in the area or you think you can make it work, uh, make sure you stop by. It's a one-day event. Uh, so you can show up in the morning and leave any time. You know, it includes mass uh, for Sunday, uh, Saturday night vigil mass. So uh, if you're worried about traveling and, and getting that mass in, you can get the mask in covered that way. So uh, check out that on our website as well. We'd love to uh, love to see. And it's all about the Eucharist. Yep. And it's really fun. Those events are so much fun. It's very uplifting, and, and you go and you see like-minded people, and you can meet some of the personalities in person, get your book signed, do some great shopping right there, because you always right. have a bookstore at the celebration and the visit. This and is a unique opportunity. You meet the right. authors. This is a unique opportunity, right. though, because it's in Birmingham. You're having it in a different location than our headquarters, but they can still go to Irondale and go to the well, studios and get a tour, right, if they studios want. Studios are 10 or 15 minutes away in, yeah. in normal traffic, and Hansville's about an hour away. Um, from from in normal traffic so all of those are eat within easy driving distances certainly in the network come and visit us take a look where it all began and then obviously as you were uh, indicating go up to uh, Hansville see Mother's Shrine of the Blessed Sacrament there's the there's the Eucharistic Museum up there the John Paul II Eucharistic Museum which is beautiful then obviously the church itself and then the opportunity to go to the lower church where the sisters are entombed including Mother Angelica and uh, and our other sisters, including Sister Regina, who just passed away yes. uh, within the last couple of weeks. And so, yeah. we're, you know, we're losing the, that, that vanguard. But mm. uh, they're still with us. We know that. Now, especially thinking about them today on the Feast of St. Clair yeah. of Assisi, right? Absolutely. And rolling into the Assumption, which is the anniversary of the launch of EWTN in 1981. Amen. There you go. Doug Keck, President and Chief Operating Officer of EWTN, thanks so much. Every Friday, tuning in in the middle of his busy schedule for the Inside Word. All the details, as Doug mentioned, on EWTN.com. We'll be right back with Fact Check Friday on a Friday morning. Stay tuned. Sixty Seconds with Father Mitch Pacwa. This communion with Jesus and with one another, that being united to Him and abiding in Him, that is the indispensable condition for bearing fruit. That's why our Lord says, back in John 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not united to Christ, you're not going to do anything for Him. So communion with Jesus, our Savior, Focusing on Him and getting to know Him and be known by Him, that is what makes it possible for us to bear fruit as Christians. And communion with others is the most magnificent fruit that the branches can give. That's one of the things that He's looking for from us, that we have a communion with one another, that we have a love and a concern. Does it mean we agree with one another? Not necessarily. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. What is wrong with artificial birth control? The Catholic Catechism explains that it unnaturally breaks the bond between the two essential elements of the conjugal act, the unitive and the procreative. The unitive element is the mutual self-giving of the spouses to one another. The procreative element is the openness to the act's potential and natural end, life. The truth of marital love is falsified when we separate what God has decreed as inherent and inseparable to the marriage act. We don't unnaturally separate eating from its natural end, nourishment. When we wish to control our weight, we abstain from food. 
Thus, if for just reasons we wish to control birth during a fertile period, we should abstain from sexual relations. In an age of ecological awareness, church-approved natural family planning, which is both healthy and free, is cause for environmental applause. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Fast Hour. Thanks for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network on this, a feast of St. Clair of Assisi. Pray for us. Interesting story. I always try to find unique stories to share with you and, and to help you and all of us discern the media and what we're consuming. So I always go to certain uh, different websites that talk about media issues, and I found an interesting story on the media section of Fox News about CNN being fact-checked by Community Notes, which is a service of Twitter, which is now, of course, referred to as X, but Andrew and I were just talking about this during the break. Everybody still calls it Twitter. So there's a study that's out there, and they claim, CNN, that transgender and non-binary patients have no regrets about top surgery. Obviously, that has to do with the, the breast reconstruction. Gender-affirming mastectomy is a procedure that shapes the chest, skin, and tissue of people who identify as trans-masculine or non-binary so that the chest aligns more closely with the contour of what is typically thought of as a male chest, CNN writing in this article, which was published recently. Now, in a story shared in the Post, transgender and non-binary patients have no regrets about top surgery, small study finds. But Twitter and their service of community notes, as I mentioned, fact-checking them on this. Headline implies generality when in reality, respondent pool is very narrow. All 139 respondents, a surgery taking place between 1990 and 2020 at one clinic, and they say it really excludes younger people, transgender youth 13 to 17, a recent phenomenon that doubled in size since 2017 to 2022. Now, one fellow of the Manhattan Institute bashed the study for never once mentioning that those who received mastectomies did so as adults at a time of surgery, saying that isn't that a relevant detail here. He continued to undermine the study, asking if it was logically sound to apply results from a survey of adults to teenage girls. Do you think results from a survey of adults who received the surgery in their late 20s apply automatically to 13 to 16-year-old trans uh, teenage girls? The omission speaks volumes. And how many times are we talking on this program about the sin of omission in the media when they don't cover studies or stories or testimonies? How many times do we see this with the March for Life every year or the Walk for Life in San Francisco or One Life L.A.? How many stories have you ever seen on the secular media of women who regret their abortion? Do they cover silent no more? When they meet at the Supreme Court steps and share their their horrific testimonies of the impact of abortion on their lives? No, they act as if, as they are in this case, that no one regrets it. Now this one person from the Manhattan Institute goes on to say, there are other problems with the study, not discussed in the article, but this level of dishonesty in reporting is just stunning to behold. And for what? The degree of sloppiness they're allowed to get away with on this issue is truly astounding. And this is from a biologist. 
that's just incredible on this topic that is affecting so many people. Meanwhile, one biological man who underwent so-called gender-affirming care 40 years ago told Fox News Digital the surgery nearly destroyed his life. Now, do you think this is a coincidence that CNN is promoting this study and making it sound like everybody is happy and wonderful who's had the surgery and trying to minimize the impact, especially on young people, by omitting, not mentioning that this study omitted young people, as in teens, and as those criticizing a network are saying, you think that's like a little important point, considering that all of these surgeries now, most of them are being done on extremely young people? Is it coincidence, getting back to my original point, that a lot of the media failed to cover a very powerful hearing that took place on Capitol Hill, I believe it was the exact date, July 27th. There were people from both sides of the aisle on this issue, but they didn't even give that, that, that much coverage, I guess, because they felt they would have to be at least somewhat honest and say that there were other people at this, at this hearing. So there's a young woman, Chloe Cole, who's been out there on the front lines on this issue, trying to get people to stop and think about this so-called gender-affirming care. See, this is the semantics they're using now, gender-affirming care, and it's nonsense. They're talking about very dangerous puberty blockers. They're talking about disfiguring and mutilating types of surgery. And as you hear now from this young woman who is detransitioning, their lives are never the same and not in a good way. This is part of her testimony from that hearing back on July 27th. Take a listen. My name is Chloe Cole, and I am a detransitioner. Another way to put that would be, I used to believe that I was born in the wrong body, and the adults in my life whom I trusted affirmed my belief, and this caused me lifelong irreversible harm. I speak to you today as a victim of one of the biggest medical scandals in the history of the United States of America. I speak to you in the hope that you will have the courage to bring the scandal to an end and ensure that other vulnerable teenagers, children, and young adults don't go through what I went through. At the age of 12, I began to experience what my medical team would later diagnose as gender dysphoria. I was well into an early puberty, and I was very uncomfortable with the changes that were happening to my body. I was, intimida- I was intimidated by male tension, and when I told my parents that I felt like a boy, in retrospect, all I meant was that I hated puberty, that I wanted this newfound sexual tension to go away, that I looked up to my brothers a little bit more than I did to my sisters. I came out as transgender in a letter I sent on the dining room table. My parents were immediately concerned. They felt like they needed to get outside help from medical professionals, but this proved to be a mistake. It immediately set our entire family down a path of ideologically motivated deceit and coercion. The gender specialist I was taken to, taken to see told my parents that I needed to be put on puberty-blocking drugs right away. They asked my parents a simple question. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living transgender son? The choice was enough for my parents to let their guard down, and in retrospect, I can't blame them. This was the moment that we all became victims of so-called gender-affirming care. Yeah, that was Chloe Cole. She testified 
about two weeks ago, maybe a little longer, July 27th, at this powerful hearing regarding problems with so-called gender-affirming care. That is a semantics from the left because they want to make it sound like it's so wonderful, just as CNN did with not being completely honest about the survey that they put out. A very small, small amount of people surveyed who had this so-called transitional surgery, but they were all adults. None of them was a teen. And as some of the critics of the reporting pointed out, you don't think it's significant? to look at teens when the majority of the surgeries are done on people, Chloe's age, for example, when she was a young girl, now she's 19 and regretting every second of what she did every second of the day. So really important when we see particular stories that are pushing certain agendas, what are they omitting? In addition to what they're covering, what are they omitting? The sin of omission, especially when it comes to these issues of below the belt, whether it's contraception, whether it's so-called same-sex marriage, whether it's abortion, and now this transgender ideology. What they don't cover is just as important what they don't include as what they do cover and do include. Keep that in mind when you're reading stories, especially about these issues. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. I don't think people should have negative fears of God, but I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the president of some country or something. You might get a lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have And we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence. And in proportion, as we believe that He is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God is present to us. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. The idea that the United States of America should now be a nation in high-handed rebellion against God makes me choke. I mean, there are some people who seem to think that the problem in America is simply between conservatives and liberals, between Democrats and Republicans. But these group distinctions are not the most important distinction. The real division is between those who are being drawn to Christ and those who are fleeing Him, all humans are created in the image of God, and we are made for loving relationship with our Creator. Any human being will never find their full fulfillment apart from God. Uh, And those of us who are united to Christ by faith and baptism in His mission of redemption owe everyone we meet the love and consideration that helps draw them closer to their eternal lover. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Connection on a Friday, wrapping up a busy Friday morning, 39 minutes past the hour, the Feast of St. Clair of Assisi. Pray for us. Lena Nealon does so much great work with the Center 
on sexual exploitation, National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Lena, this, this, um, it's kind of like, a, I guess, a new trend, relatively new, that we haven't heard too much about, but it seems to make sense in the craziness out there, given all the concerns about AI. So this is people who take a picture, anybody's picture, on the Internet, and then can turn it into a fake pornographic image. Is that correct? Yes, and it's not just a fake pornographic image. It's also pornographic videos that look so real that it's wow. almost impossible to distinguish. So, what? First of all, how bad is this problem? Let's get a, a, like an understanding of of how far reaching this is, and when you've seen this in terms of when this all started. Yeah, so so this is a problem that has been around for quite some time, but is rapidly accelerating because of artificial intelligence. And we actually only now really have a term that started started being used. It's called image-based sexual abuse. And now it's actually a broad term, <clears throat> excuse me, and can contain many forms of abuse, but it's basically the weaponization of sexually explicit images or videos. So image-based sexual abuse can be taking someone's sexually explicit video or image. So for example, if someone sent you know, a nude image to their partner, and then that partner went and shared it with the world, or the phenomenon of taking people's images off of, you know, the internet or elsewhere, and then turning it into pornography. And that's what we're now talking about, about this deep fake pornography that is truly terrifying. And you can have an image on the internet, or a few seconds of video, and the serious actors can take that and again, turn it into a very realistic pornographic image or video, including using your own voice. And of course, if this is being done to children, it's a separate category, child sex abuse material, but this is mostly being weaponized against women. Wow. So what, what can we do about it? So first, it's just important to be aware. You know, we are entering with artificial intelligence an era where you can't believe what you are seeing, right? You, you can't assume... Uh, don't take anything at face value. This is ruining people's lives. We have had women come to us saying this fake imagery or abused imagery is, um, you know, I got fired because of it or um, family members are finding out. So first you need to understand, you know, this is being weaponized against people. So don't believe everything you see. Um, be aware that this can happen to you. Um, and then know the resources that are out there. So the National Center on Sexual Exploitation does have resources where you can go. There are many organizations, including ours, that are now fighting against this um, and pushing on companies to immediately remove images, um, pushing for age and consent verification. Of course, the pornography industry does not verify age, does not verify consent. So, you know, on sites like Pornhub, for example, deep fake pornography is thriving. Um, and then also pushing for legislation. We don't have a federal law against this. This is something that Cozy is fighting for. Um, and also pushing for state legislation so that victims do have, you know, criminal and civil recourse if this happens to them. So, again, be aware that this is happening and help us fight against it. We're talking with Linda Nealon from the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. So you're seeing this mainly with, with women online, Linda? This is mostly being used against women. In fact, there are all, there are um, software companies and uh, apps that are called Nudify apps, where literally you can take a picture of a woman, send it in, and they will make a nude image. And right now, that technology can only be used for women. Um, and again, this is a form of weaponization that's you know, taking women's bodies and and 
and using this against them. We see a lot of deep fake pornography of public figures of women. And this has been already been done with celebrities, but we see it a lot with female politicians, but it's a way to silence women, um, to scare them. It is being also used for sextortion. So this is where we see men's um, images being used. Uh, someone will capture, again, men's and women's images, create pornography, and say, if you don't send me money, um, I will release this. So that's a form of blackmail that we call sextortion. But, again, largely being used against uh, women and girls. Wow. So in terms of, in addition to some of the things you just mentioned, and you're, you're pushing for laws regarding this, I mean, I think we just kind of feel, I mean, just totally exposed, no pun intended. I mean, if you think you're putting right. up a, a picture of yourself at an event or with your kids or whatever, with your friends, something completely innocent, you're, and, and all of a sudden it can be turned into something so evil. Right, right. It is very scary, and like you said, we at this point we all have some image on the Internet, right? Um, you know, with your kid, in terms of very specific tools for kids, Google search actually does have um, a request form that parents can ask if their pictures of minors to be scrubbed, and um, it's, it's quite effective. So if you have a picture of your child on the Internet, Google search, you can put in a request to Google search, which, of course, is, you know, 90% of search engine um, market share. You can remove that, and companies are catching up to this phenomenon. We have been working and pushing very strongly with Google and other corporations to make it easier for you know any individual to say this is not me. So we are seeing some progress there, um, which is helpful. And then people can also do a reverse image search of themselves. You can take an image of your face, do a Google reverse image search, and and see if there is something out there for you. So again, I, I recommend that people do that periodically. Um, but again, we need to fight. And I do think um, one potential positive thing coming out of this is that because there is no age and consent verification, I do think that this phenomenon can help us push pornography industry um, a bit out of the mainstream and, again, push for age and consent verification, which right now is not happening um, in the pornography industry. And so we have to have very clear indications that someone has said, yes, I give permission to use my image. Um, and we already know that Pornhub, again, is rife with these deep fake images. So we, we need to, to push back, um, again, get tools, legislation, and then use this very scary phenomenon to uh, you know, further um, ensure accountability, both of corporations, um, you know, mainstream corporations and the pornography industry. Uh, Linda, do you think with all of these issues uh, being exposed now, again, no pun intended, that people are waking up to how important it is to be really media savvy? I hope so. I, I do hope that people, you know, it's sometimes when it's so overwhelming and can be so scary, people tend to want to just turn away and not pay attention. But I do hope that even with this, you know, AI, you know, concerns around AI, people really do, they must be media savvy. It's for the preservation of our, our culture, quite frankly, our safety and well-being, not only of our children, but, you know, of ourselves, our families and, um, you know, our communities at large. So people really do need to understand what's going on and raise their voice and push that change be made. 
It's 947 on the East Coast, 47 minutes past the hour. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Connection on a Friday morning. Lena Nielsen with, of course, Neil Nealon with the National Center on uh, Sexual Exploitation. Okay, another question, but it's it's a different topic, but maybe not so much. We know that from the movie uh, Sounds of Freedom that we've learned so many things about sexual abuse, sexual exploitation, the uh, sex trafficking of kids, and unfortunately learning a big part of this was the fact that the United States, unfortunately, is one of the biggest consumers of of child pornography. Do you think the film is is helping your cause in terms of raising awareness about how much of this is done online? So the film has definitely raised more awareness around human trafficking. I think it's important for viewers to know that, you know, it's still a movie. It is quite sensationalized. That is not what most forms of human trafficking look like. Um, so people should really educate themselves about really what, what does it look like in the United States. But absolutely what they got right is, yes, um, the U.S. and sadly mostly men are the largest, you know, consumer largely the biggest population of consumers of pornography. This has been backed up by research and the largest consumers of commercial sex. So, you know, sex buying and buying of children um, to abuse them. So that people really do need to understand the demand for commercial sex and the demand by U.S. men is what drives this entire industry. If men weren't buying sex, there would be no sex trafficking. And that's something that... um, I don't think most people follow through. And the sad reality is that 20 per, about 15 to 20% of U.S. men have bought sex. So what does that mean, Teresa? It means that you and I know sex buyers. And it is probably the number one way that any individual person can combat sex trafficking. It's having conversations with men. It's pushing against this culture of normalizing, consuming pornography, and buying human beings. Um, and talking to our young boys and girls, but our young boys at early ages about, you know, dignity and respect and pushing against this culture, this consumer culture that unfortunately goes to our bodies of women, right? Um, So, yes, we're we're happy that it's raising awareness um, and people are coming and, and wanting to learn more, and we really hope that that demand side um, aspect of this entire ecosystem really hits home and people start having conversations about that in their homes and in their churches and in their communities because we can't turn a blind eye to, you know, what we as U.S. citizens are sadly um, perpetuating at home and worldwide. It's, this is all such a such a sad and catastrophic situation. I mean, you want to, the Internet can, can give us so much good in terms of reaching out, in terms of learning. Uh, in terms of learning about our faith, and yet you see this, and it's something, getting back to the original uh, topic that we're talking about, uh, abusing people's images online. I mean, people want to share images of their kids at a birthday party or school event with grandparents or relatives who are far away, and it's turned into something just awful. It's so sad. It is so sad, and I think we, we do want to take back the Internet. Like you said, there's really, there, there is good, and, you know, I use it to stay in touch with my family, and right. artificial intelligence can be used to fight exploitation, right? And I, I do think we, we need a vision of an Internet that really does help people thrive and connect and be creative, um, and I think we can get there, but we really need to push hard, um, you know, and, and, and use it responsibly and let corporations know that 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 is you know we we want to have technology and we are not anti-technology ourselves right but it it cannot be at the destruction of 
our families and our culture and our children. And, and right now, that is what's happening by and large. How think how close, Linda, do you think we are to that that you know utopia of getting an internet that <laughs> that is a lot better than it is a lot worse? You know, God willing. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna visit. You know, we were actually had an exercise with staff like yesterday. You know, how, what do we envision and hope for in five years? And I think that we can get quite far in five years. I think that we are seeing a lot of bipartisan push to really make sure that corporations prioritize people over profit, in particular children, and making it much safer. I do think, you know, we're seeing the pornography industry crumble. We've had, you know, lawsuits and against the major pornography companies. We're having, you know, investigations. Um, you know, the credit cards have cut ties. I do think that we can push pornography out of the mainstream and have it be, you know, we want people to understand the harm, similar to tobacco. And that was a pretty big switch. Think about how many people used to smoke. It was completely acceptable. You did it at work. And, and now it's, it's pretty taboo. And right. we recognize the harms. Um, and so I think we can get there with the pornography industry. I think people are understanding, again, the damage even to the brain, to relationships, to society. So I'm, I'm optimistic in that sense. I think it's going to be – I think we're going to see sexual exploitation um, – and sexually explicit images much more pushed to mainstream. This is a, the, Google, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but Google recently, it was kind of a quiet change. Uh, sexually explicit images, nudity is now blurred by default on search. So if someone searches for a sexually explicit image, everything, it's all blurred. This is a pretty, this is a major shift. Um, so I, I'm hoping we'll see more of that. The defaulted, either blurring or blocking of sexually explicit imagery, safer online spaces, I think we can get there, but we really need to rise up and demand that. And we cannot give up, and we always have to have hope because change is coming, and I know that we're, we're heading in that direction. Lena, thanks so much. Give us your website and where people can find more information. Of course, endsexualexploitation.org. You can find a lot of information, resources, but also very easy to take action, you know, pushing on policymakers and corporations to make changes, and it We've seen incredible impact with when people raise their voice. So please do. Linda, thanks so much. Always great to catch up with you. Even though sometimes this is hard to hear, it's important to know about so we can make a difference. And I know you're doing that. Your website, one more time. And sexualexploitation.org. Thanks, my dear. Have a blessed weekend. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for listening to Catholic Connection. We're going to take a break and let you know it's coming up next week on a Monday. And, of course, don't forget, beautiful feast day on Tuesday, the Feast of the Assumption of Our Lady. Stay tuned. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Is it time for a nap? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. 
I have to admit something, I am a bad napper. Unless it's rainy outside, I rarely can catch a nap. But according to a recent study, habitual napping appears to be associated with larger brain mass in adults. This appears to be an important protection against neurodegenerative diseases like dementia. Other studies have shown that even 30-minute naps while at home or work could enhance learning, boost attention, and increase well-being and productivity. Some businesses are installing nap rooms and other spaces to catch a few Z's. Job one, however, is getting a good night's sleep in the first place. Good sleep hygiene, meaning about seven plus hours of sleep per night, is still the best medicine. If you take naps, you have famous company, Leonardo da Vinci, Margaret Thatcher, George W. Bush, and Pope Francis, to name a few. For more on napping, yawn your way over to the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. So appreciate your listenership here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio. Friday morning, wrapping up Catholic Connection on the Feast of St. Clair. Have a great weekend. Vanessa filling in for me as I travel back from a speaking engagement on Monday. Back live with you, God willing, on a Wednesday. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.